all I can say is, oh my. <laughs> you don't, I don't know uh, what to think standing here before you after all of that, but I can say I do know what it's like to be with my wife Sherry. We've been married for 41 years, and it's a, it's a delight to walk through life with her. She's been, um, well, we grew up together. Just, we got married in 1982 and just grew up together. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself, and then I'll do the thing that I love the most, and that's to preach. I just would rather preach than eat, and I like to eat. Um, my wife and I uh, grew up in North Carolina, and we met at uh, Gardner-Webb uh, College in 1980, 1980, and so we started dating, and then the next thing you know, we, uh, God just brought us together. We got married, and then we were praying about where to go to, to seminary, and back, in the, back at that time, uh, Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis is where we ended up and went there and, and uh, loved that seminary. It, Southern Baptist to the core, even though it's not one of the six uh, Southern Baptist seminaries. Back then, it was the most Southern Baptist we could find. And so we, we did that. But I will tell you, um, before all of that happened, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. My family uh, was, um, it, it'll take a year and a half to tell you about my family. So I'll just tell you, it wasn't a Christian family. My grandmother was a Christian uh, but the family was, we didn't go to church. And about 16 years old, God began to deal with my heart. I began to seek and want to know more about God. And uh, I think the Christmas before, uh, I even asked for a Bible for Christmas. So I got a living Bible. Uh, and that was interesting. But I started reading, didn't understand anything. But anyway, uh, some people kept inviting me. It was in September of 1977. They kept inviting me to go to this thing called a crusade. Now, I grew up in Billy Graham's backyard, so I knew the word crusade. And everybody loved Billy Graham. And this is back when the culture was still uh, kind of more, uh, being a Christian was a great thing and all of that. So anyway, I, I, I said, well, I, I, everybody kept inviting me, so I'll go. I realized later that when people start inviting you to all these things, they know you're not saved. They want you to be saved. I didn't know anything about that. So I... So I went, and that night, um, thousands of people all around, and, and the man got up to preach, and he, he was a really large man in, standing next to him, but where I was sitting, he was about that tall. So, so I listened to what he had to say, and he began to talk about how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I knew that God was talking to me. I knew that it was exactly what... Um, what I needed. I needed Jesus Christ. I received Jesus into my life that night, and uh, I cried like a baby, just cried and cried and cried. I'm about to cry now, uh, and, and it's been a while. Uh, but it, it just, everything came together that night, and I didn't know, but God was, was calling me from the beginning, uh, setting me aside to, to preach. Well, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know the difference between Old and New Testament. So when I started reading the Bible, I would read and I would get excited about what I was reading and I hope I didn't lose that place. To, I couldn't find it again if I had to. So the people that kept inviting me to this crusade went to a, a particular church. So I decided to go to church there. It was a Southern Baptist church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And 
And so as I started going to church there, I began to learn and grow. And God, uh, as a matter of fact, the anniversary was yesterday, August 19th, 1978. I confirmed that God had called me to preach. I stood in front of my church family. And um, acknowledged that God had called me to preach. And so, um, so many things have happened from that time until now. Um, Sherry and I got married. We have four children. They're all grown. And uh, our two oldest children uh, live in Greenville, South Carolina. You might have heard of it. It's, it's a suburb of Five Forks. <laughs> you know, and and uh, the two oldest ones, uh, each um, one has three children, one has two. And those five grandchildren live not too far from here. And they've exhausted us the last few days. And we've loved every minute of it. And so we... We uh, go back a little bit. I pastored a church in Cowpens, South Carolina, Mount Olive Baptist Church in, uh, in Cowpens. And, and while we were there six and a half years, God began to work in our hearts. We thought, God wants us to do something, but this is not where he wants us to stay. So where is it, Lord? And we thought it would be international mission, some foreign mission somewhere. <laughs> and it was. We ended up in Massachusetts. <laughs> and, and that's one of those foreign countries. Well, it, it, it isn't really now, but it seemed like it then, and we ended up there as church planters. I'm the founding pastor of the church where I am now, pastor in Massachusetts. And, and uh, starting a church is not an easy thing anywhere, but in Massachusetts, it's really difficult. Nobody's for it, it seems. But Things have grown. Uh, we started another church after that, and we, two churches in western Massachusetts. And, and God did all of that. Um, he uses us as vessels. We don't do anything. He does all of that. And, and so that's uh, why we're in Massachusetts. You probably wonder, why did you go up there? Well, God led us, and that's the only reason we need to, to give, I guess. And uh, a loving church family, uh, tremendous uh, fellowship, a uh, very caring group of people, Sort of like you. I mean, we just felt, fell in love with you people as you just were talking to you. I felt right at home, and I, I feel that way now. As a matter of fact, um, I, uh, this is a, a great thing for me. to. I feel very relaxed. I'm not a nervous kind of person anyway, but I feel very relaxed. And I want to share with you some things from God's Word. I've chosen this passage under the direction of God's leadership, I hope. Because I think this is a passage that will help us focus on some things. And, and along the way, as we go through this passage today, I'm an exegetical, uh, you know, verse by verse, uh, let the Bible say what it says kind of guy. So whatever it says, that's what it says. We don't edit anything. We just let it say. Now, this passage is familiar to you, most likely. And, and I uh, think that you... Uh, We'll not, maybe not learn anything new, but you'll certainly rehearse the things you do know in, in a way that I think that will be helpful. We're in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. It's probably my, well, I know it's my fault. I did the PowerPoint. It's supposed to be 1 through 14. Uh, it says it right in your bulletin. So we'll do that. And the PowerPoint, I think, even goes right as well. But anyway, we're in John uh, chapter 1. Now, I am going to read uh, the passage before we uh, jump into it. So let me read it. Beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now that's John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, you know that. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, or gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten, from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's one of my favorite passages for a purpose of explaining some things from the very beginning. So I just picked this out for today. And I, when I think about this, when does God speak? You know, if, if I just stood up here and stared at you and didn't say anything, there wouldn't be much communication going on, would there? God needs to speak to us to communicate to us, and he did speak to us. So I'm going to look at some things today that, from this passage and when God speaks, what is he doing? Let's see if I can get this to roll forward here. They put a clicker in my hand, and um, there we, I'm going the wrong way. Hey, I'm getting a hang of it. All right, there we go. N uh, new clicker, new preacher. All right, it's going to be all right. <laughs> and I think I went on batteries, too. I think they got some batteries up here. Now, we've seen this passage. When God speaks, he's telling us who he is. Now, you think about that. Anytime you're reading through the Bible, when you're reading through the Bible, God is constantly telling you who he is. And this is a major passage here. In the beginning was the word as a capital W. This is a word logos in, in the original uh, uh, Greek, if you want to go there, and we can talk about that a little bit. But it's, the important thing to understand that logos is the communication of God. So it's, it's, uh, there's been the spoken, audible uh, word of God, and you see in the Old Testament, God speaking to people audibly, even in the New Testament, you see that kind of thing going on, and you see the written word, how God had his, his word written out, there's the written word of God. Here you have all of that coming together in the word, capital W, the living word, in which God took on flesh and dwelt among us. Now he says, let, let the Bible say what it says. And the Word was with God. The Word was with God. So now you've got something going on that, if you, if you know the Scriptures, you know there's one God. So now here's the Word, and the Word was with God. So in the beginning, the Word was with God, but then it says, and the Word was God. Now, you don't have two gods now. You still have one God. And we know, because you've been studying the Bible, and I, I'll tell you what, it's a blast to be able to preach the Bible to people who know it. It's fun when you preach to people who don't know it, but it's even more fun when they do know it. Because you can say, yep, that's exactly right. You're right on the money, brother. 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the same in essence, all together as one God with three distinctions. Nobody understands it but God. So when somebody says they do, just smile. They don't. But this is telling us, and John knows it full well, it's telling us that this word that became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ, the eyewitness, the apostle John is telling us, this is God. This is God. Now this is a man who walked with Jesus, and Jesus would eat, and he would sleep, and he'd walk around, and he'd have to travel around, he looked like just a regular man. Nobody went, look at the halo. No, that was just in paintings. Nobody thought this God walking around, but John knew it was. And John knew it well. And he said he was in the beginning with God. So that's, that tells us God is telling us who he is. So if you really want to get to know God, get to know Jesus, because he is God. Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. Get me excited. Now, these passages I put here, and I didn't uh, put them, print them out and put them in the PowerPoint because I didn't know how much time I'd have. Didn't know how long. I've got to finish speaking when you finish listening. And that's a hard thing, you know. It's just a hard thing. But it does remind you that in the Bible, in the very first verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But now you know more than you would have known when you started with verse 1 of Genesis, because in John chapter 1, you've learned that in the beginning, Jesus Christ created the heavens and the earth. Now get a hold of that. So when John is writing the Gospel of John, he's talking about the one that he spent a little over three years with, walking around with, listening to, being able to touch him in the flesh and say, that's, that's a man, but that's more than a man. That is the one that created the universe. God in the flesh. Now, I know that, you know that, and I've got uh, some passages here that I want to read this I think you, you, you know this well. This is not too long. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the, the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So that's Jesus, our Lord. He's the one that created everything. He upholds everything. He's holding everything together. Now, isn't that interesting? The world that talks about Jesus, and they study all about Jesus, they're studying the wrong Jesus. They're not looking at him as God who created everything. They say, oh, he's a good teacher. Maybe he's a good man. Maybe he was a historical figure. Maybe. Well, they don't know. You're talking about Almighty God when you're talking about Jesus Christ. And some would ridicule us for worshiping Jesus Christ. We say, well, we're worshiping God. And he is the Lord of all. Now, there's another passage I've got here in Colossians that does the same thing. And I just wanted to prove to you I knew what I was talking about. I didn't make this up. And you know, I couldn't make anything like this up. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, speaking of our Lord Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That is, the first place of all creation. We've already seen that. He created everything. Now, 
He's the image of the invisible God. Now, the, he, Jesus himself told the woman at the well, those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's invisible. Now, you don't see God. You see what God does. You see the results of what God does until he comes to earth and takes on human flesh and walks around. Then you see God. You see, God, if you want to know what God is like when your days are kind of dark and things don't look so bright and you think, I don't really know how this is going to work out, go to the Gospels and begin to read how Jesus talked to people and how he treated people. And if you want to know, Jordan here works with the children, you want to say, if you want to know how Jesus, how God would treat children, look what Jesus did. He said, let the little children come unto me. When they said, hey, get the kids out of the way, he said, you get out of the way and let the kids come here. And Jesus loved the children. He loved the children, and boy, anymore, if I'm ever going to understand what God is like, I'm going to have to just be like a child. Now, theology, deep theology, you know the theology that you, you, whether you wear the swimmies, the deep end of the pool, and you talk about all of that, I love that. Oh, boy, I could just get into that all day long. But I want you to know, at the end of the day, I'm reduced to a child. I said, I don't really understand this. God helped me. And he said, well, you had to come as a child. You've got to be a child. And I said, I'm so glad that I can come to God who knows everything and me who knows so much, uh, so little, about nothing. And, you know, we get impressed with ourselves sometimes. There's not much there to be impressed with. And, uh, you know, I'm just speaking my, of myself, of course. I wasn't <laughs> talking about anybody in the room. I just think we ought to leave that alone and keep going. Um, verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure to cut for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, where the things on earth are things in heaven. Now understand, this is what it's all about. It's a very simple thing. My, I love my job because it's simple. Uh, I've got the book there. I just quote it. If I quote it right, I'm good. And I just do what it says, and that's good. My job description's there. What I'm supposed to be doing is there. It's just really simple. Now it gets more complex when you add people. <laughs> but it is, it is not a hard thing to figure out. I'm, I'm supposed to introduce people to Jesus Christ and make disciples of them, make them followers, learners of Jesus Christ, and teach them all the things that he's taught us so they'll know what he commanded us. And we're to do that throughout the whole world. So we do it here, and we send people to do it there, and we support them, and we pray for them, and we go when God calls us, and we do all of that. And it's just keep on doing that, and keep on doing that, and keep on doing that. And when people want to distract us, we say, no, 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 no. Jesus and Jesus alone. We're focusing on Jesus. Well, you talk about Jesus all the time. Now you're catching on. Now you're catching on. Now, in case you wondered about this book, the Bible, and wondered about what this passage has been talking about, you, you know, you get a book and you want to read it. Some of you are vociferous readers. You just read and read and read. You pick a book and read it in one day. And, and some of you pick it up and read the first chapter and go to the back and try to figure out what's in the last chapter. Some of you are like that. Well, you're going to be good. You go to the first chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You get kind of in the middle somewhere. And John says, that in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things that were made were made by Him. Nothing was made that was made except it was made by Jesus Christ. 
So you get that in there, and then you get to the last book of the Bible. Oh, my. We look forward to this day. We look forward to this time. I know it's nice being together, but it's a, a wicked world out there, and somebody needs to come and fix it. I know who's going to do that. And you do, too. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 and following. Listen to this. This is the same one. The word that took on flesh and dwelt among us. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So there's the Word. The Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Mount up! If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is talking about you. Isn't that exciting? Oh, now I lost my place. Let's see. Yes, is there. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who he is. That's who he is. Jesus Christ will not reign in the future only. Jesus Christ reigns now. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The world can't see him. The world doesn't know him, but we do. We know who he is. And we know that there's a time that things have to run its course. And we don't know all the reasons why it's like that. We know one of the reasons is, maybe one of the reasons is you. Could be you sitting here today and you're thinking, what do you mean me? Jesus has not come back yet because of me. Mm-hmm. It could be that way because he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and he's waiting for you. His day, the day of his coming is not delayed. It's right on time. This has been a long time. It's been almost, what, 2,000 years. It's a long time. For God, a day is like 1,000 years, 1,000 years like a day. It's only been a couple of days. And we see it as a long time and somehow we think the, day, the, the, the year we're born and is when everything starts and the year we die, everything stops. That's not the way it works. But he may be waiting on you. The very last, you may be the last person on earth to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And today might be that very day that you'll do that. When, you, when I get finished today, you will, you will be able to say, I understand better what the Bible says about who Jesus is and why I should ask him to be my personal Lord and the Savior of my life. I should ask him to do that. That's, you'll know that because the Bible, God speaks through the Bible. God speaks in creation. Read Psalm 19 and Romans chapter 1. Before you arrived at any understanding about God, you already knew some things about God, that he created the universe. He created the heavens and the earth. You already knew that. Romans 1 tells us that. So when you're talking to somebody, and they say they're not quite there, they're not quite received Christ, you say, hold on. You say, well, I, I'm an atheist. I don't believe that. I said, well, yeah, that's not where you started. I'm not even sure that's where you are. Because the Bible says, when God speaks, he tells you who he is. And he is, if he's telling you who he is, so you can't be an atheist. You know in your heart that there's a creator God. 
You know that. Read Romans 1. I'm about to preach Romans 1 in a minute. I'm, I better move on before, before you quit listening. All things came and he tells us what he's done. When, when God speaks, he tells you what he's done. This is what he does all the time. He tells you who he is and then he tells you what he's done. He wants you to know what he's done. He created you. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. He, he created you. He made you. The human race started with Adam and Eve, sort of. Started with God. He made Adam. Then he took a rib out of Adam. You know the story. He took a rib out of Adam and made, uh, made Eve, and there you go. And all people have descended from that couple. Don't make a monkey out of yourself. That's what God says. When he speaks, he tells you who he is. He tells you what he's done. If you want to know how it all started, go to the beginning and read it. So, well, I don't understand all that. Doesn't change the truth that it's the truth, and that's what, it's, that's what God says. Now, listen to this. This is, this is a more personal. In him was life. Now, let that sink in. In Jesus, there's life. Where did life begin? In Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That is, the light of men, the understanding that people can have comes from Jesus, who is the life. And his life is the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. The darkness does not overtake it. There are no flash darks. You ever go to Walmart and buy a flash dark? They don't have those. Because darkness does not overcome light. They have flashlights. And even the dimmest one will overcome the darkness of the darkest place. It's kind of interesting how God has made creation like a reflection of his very nature. Well, we're a reflection of his nature. We're made in the image of God. Boy, this is just so wonderful to understand these truths about who Jesus is, telling us what he's done. He's made us. He's created us. And he's made... Uh, He's given life, and the light is the light of men. So if you want to understand God, it's because Jesus, his, he's given you his life, and he opens up your understanding. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, it is. That he's, as I'm continuing, he's telling you what he's done. There was a man from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. I want you to pay close attention. Because I already think you are, but I'm just checking. So that all might believe through him. Now I want you to understand, when God speaks, he says all. All. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he is the light, the one that will bring you to an understanding of who he is and how you can know him for eternity. And everybody's included. All. That all might believe through him. That means all can believe through him. So, Pastor, I'm not sure about that. Well, you're going to be sure in a minute. We're going to fix your wagon here just in a minute if you're having trouble with that. Because the Bible says very clearly, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And there was the true light, which is talking about Jesus, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Now the word order in this verse in the, in the original Greek uh, can be translated, this was the true light uh, which uh, 
enlightens every man coming into the world. That's the, that's the order in the original language. What it's saying is, if you get a hold of it, God, our Lord Jesus Christ, enlightens every man. Every person is enlightened. You could not believe in Jesus if God didn't help you. He, you can't come to Christ and you can't come to God unless you're drawn by God. You can't come to John 6, 44, no man comes to me except, I, except he's been drawn by God. You can, but he draws everybody. Have you read the Bible lately? When you read through the Bible, you find out that he draws people from the beginning. He shows them creation. He enlightens them. Gives them the light to understand. He brings you to the point where you can believe, and then he holds you responsible for believing. So don't anybody tell you, I just don't know. Nobody is exempt. And so when you find the judgment coming in Revelation that we just read a little bit about Jesus as the judge, understand He's not going to be judging people who didn't have an opportunity to be enlightened, because they are. He's going to be judging people on their response to what he gave them. And if you reject Jesus Christ, there's no hope for you. There's not a plan B. There's only a plan J. Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But when you read through the Gospel of John, he continues to say, believe. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you'll believe, you're in. If you choose not to believe, you're out. Since he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Isn't it interesting? The creator God is standing right before them and they don't even know who he is. We say, what kind of people were they? They're in the room. They may not, you know, be, may not be where you were, but you were there. You were in the world and you didn't know Jesus. But there came a point when God began to deal with you, you came to know Jesus Christ and he changed your life. The forgiveness that overwhelms your soul still overwhelms my soul when I start to rehearse it. The testimony I'm giving earlier, just, it just overwhelms your soul. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He was in the world, and the world was made him, and the world did not, uh, did not know him. He came to his own, and, and those who were his own did not receive him. Speaking of the Jewish people in that time, they rejected Jesus Christ. Now, all the Jews at that time didn't reject Jesus Christ, and all the Jews at this time don't reject Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, all the apostles were Jews. As a matter of fact... Um, We've had uh, some Jewish people recently in our church. Uh, a lady uh, came to know Christ, and, and she was Jewish. I, th I don't know if it's her father or her grandfather's a rabbi. I don't know what he thinks about it, but I know what I think about it. And it's a joy to watch someone who is, and i got to say this. Is that clock right back there, brother? Hey, man. That's bad, brother. You can get me in trouble. So... Studying the Bible for several years and preaching for several years, I've come to some understanding just by accident sometimes. Christianity did not come out of Judaism. You don't see that in the Bible. And Judaism was not practiced by Moses. What you see Judaism today is not, oh yeah, that's, that's what the Jewish people in the old, you wash your mouth out. 
Because Judaism today is a system of works, doing good things and trying to relate to God through your works, and that is not in the Bible. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that nobody can boast. And you weren't chosen as a, as a race of people to go to heaven. Everybody else doesn't make it. No, 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 no. That's not how the chosen thing works. As a matter of fact, not all are Israel who are Israel. A Jew said that. His name was the Apostle Paul. So understand, Christianity is the only one true religion that, that exists in the world today. All the others are wrong. Now, so well, that's arrogant. You can be arrogant if you're God. And when God speaks, that's what he says. So I'm quoting him. I'm just standing there. I'm just like, what? okay, standing at judgment, I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. He's my judge, but he's my savior. I'm with him. And you have to know, understand, John chapter 1 opens that up, doesn't it? Open it up like, oh, he's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the, the Lord of all, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He always has been. The Bible says that Moses gave up the riches of Egypt for the riches of Christ. Moses knew Jesus. So he didn't know Jesus like we know Jesus. Probably better. I mean, I don't know. I've not been up on a mountain talking to God like Moses. I've talked to God. I hope I've listened to God. But I want you to know, if you'll put it together... Whether everything in the Bible comes together, you got not the Old New Testament, you got the, the older part of the Bible and the newer part of the Bible, and the Old Covenant is in the old part of the Bible. That Old Covenant, we're not part of that. That was for Israel. You get that? So we've got to keep all the laws in the Old Testament. Nobody could. Nobody could. Nobody could. That's the point of the Old Testament law, to show you that you're imperfect and you needed a Savior. If you could keep the Old Testament law, who needs Jesus? There you go. Well, Pastor Tony told me to preach. <laughs> You're almost finished. <laughs> Just want to let you know. Verse 12. This is so wonderful. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I don't know if, let's just look at this, because I think this is so powerful. But as many as received him, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over my whole life. You're the Lord of all. Just take it all. When you do that, it says that he gives you the right to become a child of God. Now, you, you know what that means? Well, it means a lot. It means that you now not only get to be one of the children of God, you have a right to be a child of God. You become an heir of, of everything Jesus inherits, you inherit. And that's everything. Uh, our 20th anniversary of the church where we serve in Massachusetts, they sent Sherry and I to Israel. Uh, mine was a one-way ticket. No, it was no. <laughs> No, they let us come back. But we went to Israel, and, and we went there, and I was there. We had a, a, a Jewish man who was not a Christian who was our, our tour guide, and he was very knowledgeable, except he didn't know Jesus, which didn't make him as knowledgeable as he needed to be. So, and he was talking about different things, and we were listening to him and, and thinking about it, and it dawned on us as we were standing there, and looked down, at, and, and there's rock, there are rocks everywhere. 
If you've ever been to Israel, you think, there's a lot of rocks there. You can see how when they wanted to stone Jesus, there's something available. There are rocks everywhere. And and then you go touring everything. Please tell me what I just saw because it looks just like what I just saw. That's what happened. You've got to pay close attention. But anyway, looking down at the ground, looking all around, I said, this belongs to me. This is mine. This, I've been chosen of God. I'm a child of God. This is mine. Jerusalem is mine. I don't deserve it. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do with it, but it's mine. Because I inherit all things with Jesus Christ. Because I'm in Christ. The right to become a child of God, even to those who believe in his name, that's me. That's me. Somebody told me, because somebody told him, somebody told, and all the way passed down, somebody told you, and somebody's telling you now. Because I fully believe that every time we get together, there'll be someone sitting in this room who's thinking, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. Well, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Because there'll never be a time There'll never be a time that we do not tell people how to know Jesus Christ. Every important thing that you'll ever learn, the deepest theological things in the Bible, the most complicated things that we'll ever talk about, will always be centered in, do you know Jesus? If you learn everything in the Bible and have it memorized and you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. But you can know three verses and know Jesus and go to heaven. Because it's not by works. It's by grace. Now, we want to know as much as we can know, and God keeps telling us, but remember, when he, when he speaks, what does he do? He tells you who he is, he tells you what he's done, and he tells you why he's done what he's done. And then he tells you how he's revealed himself. God has spoken, and he said, I want you to know that I have revealed myself, and this is how. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. The glory of the word became flesh. We saw his glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We saw God. You remember, I think it's in John 14. I didn't plan this part, so. It looks like I'm just being dramatic, but no. uh, Jesus was talking about, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And and I think it was Philip, he said, uh, may have been Thomas. Told you I didn't prepare that. We, we don't know where you're going. We don't even know the way. And he asked before he answered the question, told him, he said, how can we know the way? And he said, show us the Father. And he said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a big statement. He told uh, some Jewish leaders one day, he said, before Abraham was, I am. Sit down on that and think a while. We know the answer to that. Jesus is from the beginning. He created everything. He sustains everything. He's the Lord of all. He's coming back. Until he comes back, and he comes back to take us home, and we want to talk about that sometime, there are a few things that have to happen. Every man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet needs to hear about Jesus Christ. That's a big job. We're going to need help. We're going to have to be part of the help. We're going to have to try to get the gospel to everybody. And it wouldn't it just be the saddest thing in the world if, if someday this service was played back at the judgment? I don't know how that's going to work. You know, I don't have any idea how it's going to work. But, and sitting in this very room is somebody who's never, never surrendered to Jesus Christ. Now, you're, 
you're a good person according to your neighbors and your friends and your wonderful neighbor and your, your, all the stuff. There you are, but you have never personally surrendered to Christ. And maybe you haven't thought about it lately, but today you can't help but think about it because I'm making you think about it. And you wondered about all this religious stuff we do. We get up and we sing, and we, the guy gets up and talks, and, and we, all the stuff. And What is it all about? And you didn't know. You didn't know. But today is the day for you. This is the day that you'll never forget for all eternity because this is the day that you're going to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, save me. Now, the Bible teaches that you must believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You must believe that he is. You can't be an atheist. Believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that seek him. If you're seeking him today, and you so I just want to make sure, Pastor, I don't even want everybody around me right now to know that I'm that guy. But I really do want to know, well, you're in the right place. Because I've not ever been here before, and, and, and it's new to me too, but I want you to know this. This is the most important thing you can ever know. We're going to pray together, and I want you to just ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Don't leave this room before you know for certain that you know him. And when you do, as you pray with me in just a moment, when you do, just celebrate in your soul what God has done for you. When he speaks, he tells you who he is. He tells you what he's done for you. He tells you how to believe in him. And he tells you how he revealed himself through Jesus. He tells you all of that. And he wants to know you. He wants you to know him for eternity. He wants to adopt you as one of his children forever. So let's pray together. Father, as we pray just now, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be able to share the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, I pray for that one who may be sitting and thinking, that's me. I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. I know that I need to. If that's you, would you just talk to Jesus and tell him, say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. All of my disobedience, you paid for on the cross. Jesus, I believe that. You took my place on the cross. I deserve to die, but you took my place. And Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead, that I could be made right with God. And I ask you, Jesus, today to come into my life and make me right with God. Make me a child of God today. Come into my life and save me. And be my Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, and you've surrendered your life to Christ, you become a child of God. And we want to celebrate with you. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Lord, thank you that you have done everything for me that I have ever could need, that you've created me and sustained me and you've saved me and here I am. Would you talk to the Lord today and say, Lord, how can I serve you better? How can I help other people come to know you? What would you have me do in service to help other people come to know you? What can I say this week to a co-worker, to a family member, to a neighbor? What can I say or do that would move them closer to you? Help me, Lord, to do that. And Lord, I pray today for Five Forks, this wonderful fellowship of people who have gathered here to worship today. I pray that you would guide them, guide this church, guide me, and guide Sherry. Show us your will today. And strengthen us in the process. We pray that all the glory would go to you. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can always tell when people are paying attention. I'm very grateful. But I want to give you an opportunity uh, to, to respond. Uh, I don't know how you do it here. We do it different ways here. We've got an invitation hymn, right, brother? That's good. I'm happy because that's what I thought. <laughs> Why do we do that? Why do we have an invitation time? It's not a religious thing we do. It's because just now when we were praying, you may have been that person that made that commitment to Christ, and you need to let us know that so we can pray for you and show you what's next, the next things that are about to happen in your walk with Christ. And you may be here today and God has spoken to your heart. I need to serve God in a in certain way in my life. I want to respond to what God has spoken to my heart. This is an opportunity for you to respond. So we just stand together. This invitation time has led. Pastor Tony is going to be up here in the front. You know him. You want to come and pray with him? You come on up and just let God lead you. You just